0: Book 8, Chapters 1 through 5 of Of the Love of God by St. Francis de Sales, translated by H. L. Sidney Lear. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Book 8, The Love of Conformity, by which we unite our will to that of God, as signified to us by His commandments, counsels, and inspirations chapter one the love of conformity springs from holy complacency as the good ground wherein the seed falls renders a hundredfold in its season so the heart which delights in god cannot but seek to be the cause of delight or complacency to him in return we always desire to please those who please us new wine seems cooling as we drink it but so soon as it is heated by the internal juices with which it mingles it heats the body and the more warmth it derives therefrom so much the more it gives in return true love is never ungrateful it strives to please those in whom it takes delight and hence arises that loving conformity which makes men grow like those they love the great and wise solomon became an idolater when he gave up his heart to idolatrous women and holy scripture calls those men effeminate who yield themselves up unduly to the love of women as thereby losing their manly mind and character And just such a transformation insensibly takes place in the heart, complacence begetting complacence towards those who inspire us with it. There is an Indian legend which tells of a little land animal which so affects the company of fish that it swims about with them in the sea, until at length it turns into a fish and remains there. And so, by dint of delight in God, man becomes conformed to him, and his will is transformed into that of God by reason of the pleasure he takes therein. Love either finds or makes a resemblance, says St. Chrysostom. The example of those we love has a quiet and imperceptible empire over us. We cannot choose but imitate them. If a man be attracted by the sense of a perfumery, he will carry forth that sweetness when he departs, and spread it abroad wheresoever he goes. And in proportion as the heart delights in any one, it imbibes his characteristics, for pleasure expands the heart just as sadness withers it. And thus we often read in holy scripture of the heart being enlarged as synonymous with rejoicing and when the heart is enlarged by pleasure it is easily impressed with those characteristics which please though verily other and less happy images will also press in like to him who went to the marriage feast without having on a wedding garment thus aristotle's disciples affected his stammer and Plato's followers imitated his stoop. Briefly, admiration is a great copyist, and therefore complacent love transforms us into the likeness of the God whom we love, and that the more largely as we love him more. So saints who greatly loved have been speedily and wholly transformed into his likeness it is a striking and beautiful fact that if two lutes in perfect union are laid side by side and the one be touched the strings of the other will vibrate in harmony we shrink from imitating those whom we dislike even in that which of itself is good and the Lacedaemonians refuse to follow the good counsels of a bad man until they had been repeated by some worthy but we cannot help seeking conformity with those we love it is in this sense probably that saint paul says that the law is not made for a righteous man since the righteous is not righteous save in that he is moved by holy love and if he loves he needs not the pressure of the law for love is the most urgent of all advocates on behalf of the will and intentions of him who is loved love is a ruler who needs no officers no force its power lies in that finding all our delight in god we would fain please him likewise love is an epitome of all theology which without books or teachers Indoctrinates the ignorance of a Paul, an Antony, a Hilarion, a Simon, a Francis. In virtue of it, the soul dares to say, My beloved is mine, and I am his. My soul feeds on the delight which he inspires in me, and he in return feeds upon my love for him. Rest assured that whoever really delights in God, desires heartily to please him and to be conformed to his likeness chapter two the conformity of submission proceeding from the love of benevolence we have seen how complacent love endues us with such likeness to divine perfection as we are able to receive even as a mirror which reflects the sunshine not according to the brilliancy or vastness of that orb, but according to its own length and breadth. But further we attain this holy conformity in another way, through the love of benevolence. Complacent love draws God into our heart, but the love of benevolence casts our heart into God, and therewith all our actions and affections dedicating them wholly to him. For benevolence craves to render God all possible honor, glory, and gratitude as the rightful meed of his goodness. Now this desire is fulfilled according to the strength of our complacent love. For example, we have greatly rejoiced in beholding the goodness of God, and therefore we desire through the love of benevolence that all possible love may be devoted to the adoration of that goodness we have marvelled at the sovereign perfection of god consequently we would have him praised honoured and worshipped above all else we have found gladness in the thought that he is not only our first cause but our final end the maker and preserver of all and therefore we would have all things subject to him in absolute obedience we see that his will is perfect just and true above all things therefore we would that it be the ruler and guide of all human wills bear in mind however that i am not now speaking of the obedience we owe to god as our lord and master our father and benefactor such obedience comes of right not of love but were there neither paradise nor hell before man and were he under no manner of obligation to god which are of course impossible suppositions still the love of benevolence would move us voluntarily to offer him all obedience from a keen sense of love for his sovereign goodness and pure and holy will in the relations of this world we continually see women voluntarily giving themselves up to the power of a husband out of free love and men engaging in the service of some prince or submitting to the rule of some superior and we do the like when by reason of the holy love of benevolence we place all our affections in God's hand, to be shaped and directed according to his good pleasure. And the highest point of love's obedience is when it needs no stimulant of fear or reward, no rule of law, but when it forestalls all these, submitting to God solely by reason of his perfect goodness which has a right to unfold and absorb all other wills within the gulf of his most perfect will chapter three how to conform to god's will when it is signified to us one while we consider god's will as in itself altogether holy and excellent and it seems easy to praise bless and worship it offering our own and all created wills to obey it in the petition thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven or again we consider it in its individual aspect as in the events of our own life and lastly we consider it as manifested in his declared plans and intentions for though god's divine majesty knows but one simple will we in our weakness are constrained to class and name it variously in its effects christian doctrine sets before us plainly the truths which god requires us to believe the good he wills us to hope the evil he wills us to fear the things he would have us fear or desire the commandments he wills us to keep the counsels to be followed And all these combine to make what we call God's signified will, because he has signified and manifested that he intends these things to be believed and done. Now this signified will, being set before us as what he wishes, rather than by peremptory constraint, we are free to follow his will obediently or to resist it by disobedience there are three distinct acts of god's will that apply to this namely he wills us to have the power to resist he wishes us not to resist and yet he suffers our resistance if we will have it so the power to resist is part of our natural liberty if we do resist it comes of our own malice but that we should not resist is what god would have of us when we do resist god has no share in our disobedience but leaving us to our free will in the hand of his counsel if he will to keep the commandments he permits us to choose it but when we obey then he furthers us with his helping grace mere permission is a sterile passive action on god's part but when he desires it is an active fertile action which moves and stimulates so that desiring us to obey his signified will god entreats exhorts inspires urges pleads with us but when he suffers us to resist he merely leaves us to exercise our free will contrary to his desire and intention verily his desire is most earnest for what can be a warmer expression of it than our lord's parable of the king who made a great supper and not only invited and pressed but constrained his guests to come and eat what more could the master of the feast do save force the food down their throats and such favors are offered with affection, pleading, and remonstrance, not with violence. So with God's signified will. He heartily desires us to do what he ordains, and he supplies us with whatever is needful to that end, urging us to make use thereof. What more could we ask? but even as the sun's rays are not extinguished because they are rejected and shut out so god's signified will does not cease to be his true will even when it is resisted and fails to produce the result it would do with cooperation. operation hearty conformity with god's will consists in willing whatsoever he has signified to be his intention believing his doctrines trusting in his promises fearing his displeasure loving and living according to his commands and warnings and all this we continually pledge ourselves to in the various offices of the church thus we stand when the gospel is read in token of our obedience to god's will as contained therein and we kiss the book at the open gospel in token that we adore his holy word so saints of old have carried the gospel in their bosom as we read of saint cecilia and the gospel of saint matthew was found next to saint barnabas's heart written with his own hand in the councils of early times there was a custom of placing a throne in the midst of the assembled bishops and upon it the book of the gospels as representing our savior the king teacher and inspirer of the whole church and that noble type of the episcopal office saint carlo borromeo always studied holy scripture on his knees in token of the respect with which he held it fitting to read and accept god's signified will chapter four conformity of our will to that of god for our salvation god has made known his desire for our salvation in so many ways that no man but must be conscious of it it was with this design that he created us in his own image and likeness and then again took ours upon himself in the incarnation yet further undergoing death that he might redeem man with such love that as saint Denis records he once revealed to a holy man named carpus that he would even die anew to save man were it needful now although all men be not saved nevertheless it is his will that all should be saved working in us according to his nature and ours for his goodness leads him to give us freely that grace by which we can attain to glory, while our nature requires that we have free choice left us to accept that grace and be saved, or to despise it and perish. One thing have I desired of the Lord, which I will require, even that I may behold the fair beauty of the Lord, and to visit his temple so says David. But what is it to enjoy the fair beauty of the Lord, save to receive and make known his perfections to others? His delight is the sons of men. Proverbs chapter 8, verse 31, that is, to pour out his grace upon them. Nothing is so acceptable as to affect one's own will, and our sanctification is God's will, our salvation, his good pleasure. Nor is there any difference between his will and his pleasure. It is good for as much as it is all love and benevolence towards man. The whole church, militant and triumphant, sings the praise of his dear love for us, and his sacred body bears the tokens thereof therefore in visiting his temple above all other times we realize that love in which he delights be it ours many times daily to contemplate that loving will and resigning ours wholly to it let us cry out o infinite sweetness thou alone art worthy thou hast made me for life eternal and thou feedest me with the ever-flowing milk of thy loving-kindness would that i could cling more uninterruptedly to thy breast we ought to will our own salvation even as god wills it and forasmuch as that is through exceeding desire we too should earnestly desire it nor does god stop there but he endows us with all the necessary means which we should earnestly accept and use it may be enough to say i desire to be saved but it is not enough to say i desire to make use of the suitable means of grace to that end we must resolutely use the grace given us or our will does not correspond with god's will real conformity of will requires that we accept and use the means he set before us as he desires and because he desires it sometimes it may be that we seem to accept the means of salvation as a whole and yet shrink back from the individual use thereof just as saint peter who thought himself ready to die for his master and yet denied him for fear of a maidservant we all think we can drink the cup of the lord but when it is offered us we shrink and start back that which is actually present overpowers us for this reason it is well to make special resolutions in meditation david accepted troubles in detail as steps to perfection when he exclaimed It is good for me that I have been in trouble, that I may learn thy statutes. Psalm 119 verse 71 And in the same spirit the apostles rejoiced that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for their Savior's name. Acts chapter 5 verse 41 Chapter 5 The conformity of our will to God's as signified to us in his commandments. All holy scripture bears witness to God's exceeding desire that we keep his commandments, alike in the abundant rewards held out to those who do so, and the stringent punishments to those who forsake them. Thou hast charged that we shall diligently keep thy commandments. Psalm 119, verse 4 now the love of complacency realizing this divine desire seeks to please god by conformity to it and the love of benevolence which would have all things submit to god hastens to submit our will and wishes to whatever he signifies then springs not a mere obedience but a real love of god's commandments such as is the keynote Of the whole 119th psalm lord what love have i unto thy law all the day long is my study in it if we would foster this holy love for god's law we must consider and dwell upon its beauty all god's commandments are good but just as there are certain acts which are bad because they are forbidden and others forbidden because they are bad so some are good because they are commanded and others which are commanded because they are excellent so that all are good and excellent obedience imparting virtue to such as are indifferent and increasing it in those which are intrinsically good a benefit loses half its grace if it comes from an unfriendly hand thus the Lacedaemonians of old would not accept even the wise counsel of an evil man, until it had been taken up and repeated by one of good repute. No gift is so welcome as that of a friend, and a law appears hard or light, according to the spirit in which it is imposed, just as Jacob's seven years' service seemed to him but as a day for the love he bare Rachel. Truly, the yoke of the christian law is light laid on us as it is by so gracious a monarch some men keep the commandments much as we gulp down medicine more for fear of eternal condemnation than because they delight in pleasing their lord and just as there are people who are disgusted with remedies not unpleasant in themselves simply because they are called medicine. So there are minds which revolt from all prescribed duties, simply because they are prescribed. As it is told of a man who had lived for eighty years contentedly in Paris, till being then commanded not to leave the town, he forthwith rushed out to see the country, for which he never cared before. But on the other hand, a loving heart takes pleasure in God's law, and the harder it seems, the more such a heart delights in it as the means of rendering him greater glory. My lips shall speak of thy praise, my tongue shall sing of thy word, for all thy commandments are righteous. Psalm 119 verses 171 and 172. THE TRAVELER WHO SINGS ON HIS WAY VOLUNTARILY MAKES A FRESH TAX ON HIS STRENGTH, BUT IT IS ONE WHICH CHEERS AND LIGHTENS HIS TOIL. AND SO THE SPIRITUAL PILGRIM REALIZES THAT NOTHING SO RELIEVES HIS WEARINESS AS THE LOVING FULFILLMENT OF HIS MASTER'S PRECEPTS. THY STATUTES HAVE BEEN MY SONG IN THE HOUSE OF MY PILGRIMAGE psalm 119 verse 54 there is a tradition that the sweetness of the fig is so heavy that cattle bearing that cargo sink under the load a type of the unholy man who is like the mule which hath no understanding under the sweet law of the lord which crushes him in his weakness Another tradition tells us that the traveler who carries a sprig of the Agnus Castus feels no weariness, and so those who really love God find refreshment and vigor in the yoke of Christ. There is no toil in that which we love, or if toil there be, it is welcome, for toil and love combined are even more grateful to the Christian than ease. It is thus that holy love brings us into conformity with God's will and teaches us to obey his commandments because they are his, rather than out of mere mechanical obedience, turning necessity into pleasure and hardship to delight. End of Book 8, Chapter 5.